0: Yo, what's up, guys? You're now listening to the Wild Youth Podcast. Come on, we serve a God who is always faithful. That's what that song is talking about, right? It's saying he won't fail. Well, another way to say that is he's always faithful. It talks about he's faithful through generations. Well, how do we know that? Because when we read the Bible, when we read the word of God... We read testimonies of God's faithfulness. We saw all the times where it would have been so easy for people to look at their circumstance and just give up. They could look at their circumstance and just throw the towel in, but when we saw them stick it out, when we saw them look to the Lord, God was faithful. The song is saying how I have peace that makes no sense. Can you say that right now? Can you say that about yourself? I have peace that makes no sense. I have joy in chaos. Because the world will tell you that that's impossible. The world will tell you that if you're surrounded by chaos, you can't have joy. The world will tell you that if your circumstance looks hopeless, You can't have peace because they can't coincide. They can't go together. Well, we serve a God who does the impossible. And so what the world says is impossible, God says is possible. You can have peace that makes no sense. You can and should have joy. If you know God, no matter what you're dealing with right now, you can have joy. Does that mean that every day is filled with happiness? No. But you can still have joy because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. It says that his mercies are new every morning. So no matter what today held, there's mercies new for tomorrow. No matter what I did today, his mercies are new tomorrow. Tomorrow. So I'm going to put my faith, I'm going to put my trust in the God who is faithful. Come on, are you thankful that we serve a God who never fails us? We serve a God who never leaves us. And that gives us joy, that gives us peace. When the world would want to give us anxiety. When the world would want to give us shame. God lifts our face. It says I love you you're mine. Let's go. So come on. Let's get into it tonight. Are you praising God tonight? Yes? Okay, then give God a shout of praise. He's worthy of our praise. And if you are new if it's your first time, welcome. Can we give all of them a warm welcome, a round of applause for first time newbies? I'm so excited that you are here. And hey, if if it is your first time, firstly my name is Connor. I'm the youth pastor here. Thank you for coming if I didn't meet you yet. Please come find me afterwards. I would love to know who you are, get to know a little bit about you. But secondly, if tonight is your first night, come back next week. Cuz if you come back next week, you're going to get plugged into a small group. And what does that mean? When you go into a small group, they're designed for you to be able to wrestle with things that you believe or maybe wrestle with things that you don't believe. Maybe you walked in tonight and you were just saying to yourself, man, I don't even know that I believe God exists. I'm here to tell you that's okay. We still love you. We want you here. And small group time is designed you to discuss that it's designed for you to wrestle with those things because at some point in life we all have to wrestle to have faith we have to wrestle to know that god is who he really says that he is and so get plugged into that small group because you're also going to get to meet a youth leader i don't have one on but they all have on a lanyard those are our youth leaders, our small group leaders. You're going to get plugged in with one of them. And they're going to be your lifeline. They're going to be your resource. If you have a question, if you need prayer, if you need advice, they're your go-to people. So you want to get to know them because, guys, they, they are here to invest in you. They're here to love on you. They're here to give you guidance. And they're here to encourage you also. Invite them to your activities. If you're on a sporting team, if you're in show choir, whatever it is, invite them to go to that. Show choir, come on. (laughs) Now, they may not be able to go to all of them, okay? But they'll likely be able to go to at least one of them. And they want to, but we can't go to the things that we don't know about. So please, invite us to go to them. We would love to support you in that way. Anyways, all that to say, come back next week and get plugged into a small group. All right, go ahead and and find your spots. Grab your Bibles. Remember, don't sit down yet because we still have to read the Word. So get your Bible, your paper Bible with no tabs because we're getting ready for our sword drill. So once your Bible... Is ready, get it in your hand to hold it by the spine. <laughs> so, for all of you who haven't done this yet, what we're doing is in a minute, I am going to say a scripture reference, and our sword drill is a race to find that scripture first. So, reminder if you're a student and you beat all of the leaders in here, you will get both candy bars. But if you're just the first student and don't beat a leader, then you will get one. So, now that we have all the rules, are you ready for our reference? Yes, okay, if you got your Bible, hold it high. I wanna see who's doing this. Once you've found it, raise your hand high. Okay. Matthew 3 13, go. Matthew 3 13. Once you have it, raise your hand. Okay, Hannah and then uh, Wesson. Okay, Hannah and Wesson, come up here. Let me see. Matthew 3, awesome. Hannah, there you go. Awesome, give it up for Wesson and Hannah. Get into our scripture. All right, the rest of us, now that you're there, we're going to read it. Matthew 3, we're going to start in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen behind me. Y'all ready? Awesome. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John. So Jesus came from a region called Galilee to a region called Jordan, to a man named John. John, to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, for being such a mighty and powerful God but that even in in your might and your power, you show us such grace. And so, God, I thank you for the grace that we experience through your son, Jesus. So, God, I pray tonight that as, as we dig in, that there would be veils removed from faces, that scales would fall off, that people would have an encounter with you and see you for who you truly are. So we thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 High five your neighbor. Take your seat. So we are in a new series tonight. It's the first week of the month, which means we're starting a new series. And our September series is all about busting some myths. So we're doing Mythbusters Jesus Edition. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the show Mythbusters. Okay, good. That would be really sad if you didn't know what I was talking about. So we are busting some myths this month. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the myth of Jesus just being a good prophet. Was Jesus just a good prophet? See, most people, most people would say that they believe Jesus existed. Especially if we're talking about America, the United States, I believe that most people would at least say Jesus existed. And they might even say that he was a good man historically. And maybe... They would take it a step further and say that he was even a prophet. But do they believe that he was and is the Son of God? That's the question. Do we believe that Jesus was and is the Son of God? And then that begs another question. Why does that even matter? Jesus being the Son of God... Why does that even matter? Well, because if Jesus wasn't the Son of God, then there's no Christianity. If Jesus wasn't the Son of God, then he doesn't have authority to heal or forgive sin. If Jesus wasn't the Son of God, then there is no salvation through grace. And if Jesus wasn't the Son of God, then his people wouldn't now have the Holy Spirit. See, as we, as we look to these, this first one up here, everything to do with Christianity rides on whether Jesus was the Son of God or not. Because if, if he wasn't, then he wasn't the Messiah. If he wasn't the Son of God, then he wasn't one that was prophesied about all over the Old Testament. The one that we had been waiting for to save us from our sin. See, if he wasn't the Son of God, then we should still be obeying Jewish laws and customs, which means that we would really be practicing Judaism instead of Christianity, right? Because people who are, are still consider themselves Jews or Jewish faith, it's because they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They're still waiting for him. If we look at the next one, you see. If Jesus wasn't the son of God, then he wouldn't have had the ability to heal. And that would mean that every healing that we read about in the Bible is a lie. And if that is true, then that means that we can't believe any of it. Because the Bible is either all true or none of it is true. And if we don't have salvation through grace, then we're still under the letter of the law. What does that mean? Well, if we don't have salvation through grace, then our prayers asking to be forgiven mean nothing without an actual blood sacrifice. If we don't have salvation through grace, then we should all still be bringing animals to church to be sacrificed by the priests for our sin. That would mean that we couldn't come into the presence of God. The priest would only be the one allowed into the Holy of Holies with his presence. See, if Jesus wasn't the Son of God, then all the accounts of miracles in the book of Acts were falsified. If he wasn't the Son of God, then the Holy Spirit who he talked about didn't come and indwell in his people, and so the healings and the miracles that we see and hear happen today wouldn't be possible. You see, Jesus being the Son of God changes everything. Jesus being the Son of God changes it all. And so tonight, we're going to roll through some scripture to see what it says about Jesus. So get ready. We're going to have the the scripture references on the screen. And I would encourage you, just take a picture of them as we go. Because it's going to be a lot of scripture, but it's all super important. The first one we're starting with is 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in Righteousness. See, we're starting here because we need to know and understand that the Bible was written and compiled through the work and guidance of the Spirit of God. What this means is that it wasn't just a bunch of men out of their own ability writing words on a page, it was through the guidance of the Holy Spirit that they wrote what they wrote. And so if we believe that, then we believe that everything written in the word of God is true. And that's where we have to start. So we're going to roll into the story of Jesus' mother, Mary. And now an angel came came to Mary to tell her that she was going to be pregnant. And that, in and of itself, was going to be Miraculous. Because there was no way possible for Mary to be pregnant. And because of that, she asked, how is this possible? How can it be that I would bear a child? And this was the angel's response. And the angel of the Lord answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The angel literally told her that the baby you're carrying is to be called the son of God. Seems pretty clear. Now Mary also had a cousin named Elizabeth and she was pregnant at the same time. And she also had an angel come and prophesy to her. And she was to give birth to John the Baptist. So in the scripture that we read at the start, this is the John that they're talking about. And he's called John the Baptist not because of the, de- the denomination Baptist. But because he was John the baptizer. He baptized people. And his, his purpose given by God was to be the prophet. To prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He was the one that was crying out in the wilderness. Saying that our Lord is coming. and my womb leaped for joy. See, before Jesus was even born, Elizabeth recognized him as her Lord. Before he was even born, Elizabeth gave him the title of Lord. And that was because what the angel had prophesied to her. And Jesus' baptism, this is what we read at the start, So John baptizes Jesus and then it says that the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now a voice from heaven. What other voice could that be but God? And God calling out and saying this is is my beloved son. Just after Jesus is baptized, he's sent out in the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Before he goes into his 3 years of just all out ministry, he goes through temptation. Now guys, this is this is the wrestling that I was talking about earlier. This was the moment of wrestling. Do I really believe what I say that I believe? The tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, meaning Jesus, answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See, the whole time, The devil knew. The whole time that he was trying to tempt Jesus, he knew that he was the son of God. You see, that's why he was trying so hard and why on the third attempt, he tried to bribe him by showing him all of the kingdoms that he claimed to have authority over and saying, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you all of these. But you see... The devil simply wanted to corrupt Jesus just as he had corrupted himself. Because he knew the authority, the title, the power that Jesus had. So we go on and Jesus begins his ministry and he calls the 12 disciples to himself, right? And he begins teaching them and he takes them everywhere that he goes He pours into them, and we see in this moment Peter professing Jesus as Christ. He says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now let's pause for a second. That's a weird phrase. Son of Man But it says that it's a title of the Messiah used by Jesus because by its lowliness it was least suited to foster the expectation of an earthly Messiah in royal splendor. Okay, now I know that was a lot of words. So what that means is the Israelites, they were expecting a king and they were expecting the Messiah, to look the part of a king and to come in ready to lead them in battle. But Jesus used this title of Son of Man to show them that that's not who he was. He wasn't what they were expecting. So he asked, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, Or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So what's he saying He wasn't standing before them professing that he was a son of God. He wasn't standing before them waving around his title. What he says out of his joy and exclamation of this is I am so excited because it wasn't by me telling you who I am. It was by my father in heaven showing you. That I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah. And then later on, Jesus gets turned over to be arrested and ultimately crucified, right? He gets falsely accused and he gets judged and sentenced to death. And when Jesus was crucified, He was guarded by centurions. Centurions were Roman guards. Now why that's important is because since they were Roman, they would know very little, if anything, of the Torah or the Old Testament scripture. They weren't like the Israelites. They weren't like the Pharisees or the Sadducees, where it was just this oral tradition talked about all the time. The only things that they would know about Jesus... Would likely be by word of mouth from other soldiers or from those who were looking to have Jesus killed or at least arrested. Now it says, When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the son of God. See, when Jesus breathed his last and when he was finally dead, crazy things started to happen. An earthquake let out, rocks started to split, bodies were raised out of tombs. It was a crazy encounter. And it was from this encounter and from them Simply being near Jesus, that they saw him for who he was and that they were able to say, truly this was the son of God. See, people can be told all day every day that Jesus is the son of God. But it's when they have an encounter that the scales fall off, that the veil is removed from their eyes so that they can see him for who he really is. See if Jesus really was just a man or even if if you say that he was just a prophet not the son of God could we really even call him good if he really was just a man could we even call him good because if he was just a man then he was a liar and he was a false prophet You see, that's, I think this is the problem with the human condition and where people get stuck. Because they take their whole life and every deed that they've ever done into account. And in their eyes, the good outweighs the bad, which means that they must be good. If I take all of this into account, and if overall, if generally, I do good, then I must be good. But the thing is that we don't define good. God defines what is good. And what he says is that good is being blameless. It's being completely without fault. It's being holy. And simply put, it's being perfect. But yet, in God's goodness, knowing that we could never do that on our own. In his goodness, he made a way for us to become blameless. And that was through his son, Jesus. That was through sending his son to be perfect, to live perfect, and to be the perfect ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. See, John three 16, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But listen to the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You should go ahead and stand with me. It's God's desire that we would all come to know him. It's his desire that we would all choose him. But just like this says that if we don't want to perish, but if we want to have eternal life, we have to believe in him. And that's ultimately, that's the bottom line of everything that I have said tonight, right? Right? Because we read through a lot of scripture, through a lot of what the word of God says. But if you don't believe the word of God, if you don't believe that it's true, then it, it means nothing, right? It's about us putting our belief in that. Putting our belief that God actually cares about us. That God actually has a plan for us. It's about believing that if Jesus had never come to to give us that salvation through grace, then we would still be back at the temple making sacrifices. And I praise God that I didn't live in that time. Because we now have something that's so much better. Grace. Grace. And like I said at the start, no matter what you've done today, his mercies are new tomorrow. Because even as, as we give our life to Jesus, as we surrender to him, that doesn't automatically make us perfect here on earth. Because guys, that's never going to happen. As we're still living on this earth, we're never going to be perfect, which means that we will always need Jesus' grace. That we will always need the forgiveness of God. But what it means is that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I now get to spend eternity with God. So if you walk through those doors tonight and you really didn't know what to expect. You walked in saying, I don't even know if there is a God and if there is a God... Why would he care about me? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He loves you. And out of that love, he was willing to sacrifice his son. Now, I know that Most of you, hopefully most of you, don't have kids. (laughs) But imagine, imagine yourself years from now when you do have a son or a daughter. Imagine being willing to sacrifice them for people who want to spit in your face. Imagine wanting to sacrifice them For people who say yes to you and they believe you, but then the next day they jump right back into the same sin. And the next day they jump right back into the same sin. God still chose to send his son for you and for me. So if everyone would close your eyes in here. it was a high cost for you to have salvation. There was a high cost for you to to have the ability to have eternal life. But while the cost was high for God, it made it so easy for us to say yes. An easy As in, I don't have to go to the temple every day to hand over my my best lamb to have it be sacrificed but only by the priest in the holy of holies because I can't enter into the presence of God because I'm not without blemish. No, because of Jesus, when he died on that cross, that veil was torn from top to bottom which meant that we as believers, as Christians, now get to be in his presence and have his spirit dwell inside of us. But it still does cost you something. Because when we, when we surrender ourselves and when we accept that salvation we're laying down our plans. We're laying down our lives. We're laying down our wants, our desires and saying, God, I trust you. With everything that I've been planning, with everything I've been hoping for, I trust you. With all of my mess, with all of my hopelessness, with all of my sin, I trust you. So if you're in here tonight and you've You've never given your life to God. The Bible says that in order to do that, all we have to do is believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that he was raised from the dead and we will be saved. Thanks for tuning in to the Wild Youth Podcast. If you like what you heard, follow us on our socials at thewildyth or come in person on Wednesdays from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Stay wild, fam.